With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to part two of the Steelers preview. I'm Jeff Hartman, your host, senior editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Joining me as always, Dave Schofield, editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, and Brian Anthony Davis, our podcast producer. And we have gone down from nine to one, the least to the most important draft picks for the 2021 season. And we are at number two. So we've all gone from nine to three, and now we have our top two. So we're going to go, we're going to kick this thing off. All right, Brian, who's your number two in terms of importance for this season? All right, before I get to number two, I just want to touch on something that Jeff said when he was talking about the importance of the punter. Tony Defio and I, we do the Steelers retro show, and we've done a lot of shows lately from the 1970s, particularly 78 and 79. And my gosh, the punting was bad, but the place kicking was horrendous. And it was that's how that team was so great. But my gosh, Matt Barr was in 79 was missing everything left and right. Roy Jarella for all of those years was missing everything like crazy. And then you throw in the fact that you bring Bobby Walden in there and he's shanking punts left and right. So a good team, like Jeff says, needs to rely on special teams. And one of the greatest teams of all time had horrible special teams when it came to kicking. So I think that's why we're really relying on this guy, Presley Harvin, the third big press. All right. Number two, here we go. This is uh this has me going back and forth and back and forth because these top two guys are really important. And we all have the same top two. Yeah, we do. I was <laughs> yeah. going to say, just well, well, we have to yeah. <laughs> at this point. No. Um, it's Kendrick green. And the reason it's Kendrick Green is because there is a backup plan if he is not ready. And I will save the rest for number one. All right. Dave, who's your number two? My number two, I went with only because of my history with the game of football. (laughs) That's why I chose my number one. I went with one first-round draft pick, Najee Harris. I went with him as number two because, yes, he brings a whole new dynamic. That's why he should be right up there. But the thing is, he is go- he does have to rely on teammates in order for him to have some success. Okay, no, it's it's. I understand it. it mm-hmm. I don't think I couldn't argue. I could make an argument for either one of these guys. Mm-hmm. I had number two. I had Kendrick Green mm-hmm. uh, for a lot of the reasons that Brian said. He's not guaranteed to have the starting job. I hope he wins the starting job. I just watched if, if if you haven't, I suggest that you go to the Pittsburgh Steelers official YouTube channel and Merrill Hodge has been doing like real short four minutes, five minutes or less breakdowns of some of the Steelers rookies. He did one on Najee Harris. He just did one on Kendrick Green. Really interesting stuff. And he talked about how he feels like he could come in and really he could help out in one way, shape or form as as they get started in week one. I hope. I hope that it is at center, but still just the fact that there's some indecision there. We're not sure. I have him as number two. 
So now we know everyone's number one. So Brian, why don't you go ahead and tell us why you had Najee Harris as your number one player? I mentioned the backup plan at center. And that's B.J. Finney. B.J. Finney actually might even be starting the season. That's not ideal. That's not what we want to happen. But that's a possibility until this guy is ready. There's nobody else to really start the season at running back. And if somebody else starts the season at running back, it is going to be a ginormous disappointment if Benny Snell is there on opening day. One, it could be the fact that Najee Harris is injured, and then you've got to worry about your prized rookie. Oh, my gosh, he is hurt already. Or the fact that, all right, he's just not who we think we are yet. We don't have any indication that that's going to happen. It seems like this guy was brought in to be the man. He has to be the man. Dave said something very poignant, and that was this. He said the fact that the running back position has to rely on other players. Sure, but he has to rely on five players as one. And one guy is not going to break that down completely. He's not going to ruin it completely. But we saw what happened last year when you really didn't have the running game to run through holes if they were opened up. So I just find Najee Harris to be the most crucial guy here. That's why he was picked where he was. That's why the position was picked where it was. There were other directions that this team could have went in. They were looking for the home run ball. They need the home run. That's why for 2021, he's most important. You still, He still will be able to run the ball behind B.J. Finney. All right, Dave, you had Kendrick Green as your top uh, number one, so why don't you go ahead and explain that? I did, and kind of to basically disagree with everything Brian just said, because what happened last year when the Steelers actually had some, some run blocking going on early in the season, I mean – one Benny Snell Jr., people forget about it. He did run for 100 yards against in week one. He did before the running game completely fell apart. And that, to me, that that doesn't go to show that Benny Snell is great or whatever is, you know, if he even wins the number two job. What that goes to show is that when your line and your scheme are doing good things, that position it can be average with average people, but it does get better with others. That's why I had Najee Harris so high. But I don't know why everyone is assuming that B.J. Finney is going to be the B.J. Finney of 2019. The dude couldn't get on the field for the terrible Cincinnati Bengals offensive line or the not-that-great Seattle Seahawks offensive line. He was brought in to be a starter. I know they say there was the reasons in the pandemic and he wasn't in the best shape that he should have been because of that. But I mean, if this is his livelihood and everything, then he should have made sure he was. You know, I mean, this that was his chance. 2020 was the biggest opportunity he had of his career other than first making the Steelers. And he didn't come through for it and didn't see a single offensive snap. And yes, I know we did a vertex today that came out today that looked at if BJ Finney was filling in and how he did well in 2019. But you know how many clips of film we had from 2020? Zero, because he couldn't get on the field. So that is why I, I don't have the faith there in that situation. Um, it might have to be there. That is a huge question mark for the Steelers. And 
if they're not getting it done, and I'm sorry, but especially in the NFL, offensive line starts in the middle. It starts in the middle and works and, and works out because that's the person who's got to communicate everything and have and that's just how it starts. And if you have that being your biggest question mark, then the guy you're handed off to behind you isn't going to be as important. And that's why I just have always had offensive line kind of ahead of everything else. It's I don't want to see the Steelers scheming around trying to trying to cover for an offensive line that's not getting the job done because it's eventually going to come back to bite them like it did last year. You've got to step up. I don't know that, that Kendrick Green's going is is definitely going to be that guy, but he's very important if he's going to be. Well, let me ask you this question, Dave, before I go and okay. talk about Najee Harris. How soon do you think we'll know? Is is Kendrick Green at center, which he only played four games in college there his senior year. How soon do you think we'll know this guy's got it? Or is it well, it's gonna take some time? Like how do you think we'll know that in preseason? Do you think it'll take regular season? I mean, when do you think we'll see all right, Kendrick Green can play? Like, You're gonna get a Dave answer. Um <laughs> play hard. <laughs> play hard. Yeah, he's gonna play hard. Um it it depends how much he's got it. If he's got it and he's got it, you're going to see it the first time he goes out on the field. If he's got it pretty good, it's going to take a little bit more time. If he's kind, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. The level of God, when Marquise Pouncey first came out, now granted he was a first round pick, but he still wasn't necessarily going to be the starter to begin that season. But when he came out in the preseason, you could just see, dude, that guy's got it. Now, so would it be fantastic if we could see it in the Hall of Fame game? Yeah. Just because if you don't, doesn't mean that it's still not going to get there. Because, like you say, he doesn't have a lot of experience playing center. Yeah. But the And everyone's like, he's a third-round pick. If the Steelers were afraid, they would. All honesty, if the Steelers thought someone else was going to take Kendrick Green, who knows how high they would have drafted him. If they were afraid he was going to go at pick 25, would they have considered taking him at pick 24? I don't know. But that's that's what made it so wise because he fits this team so much better that for what they want to do at center than what he would have done with other teams. Yeah, that's a good explanation. Good explanation. Uh, Brian, anything to say before I go? Yeah, I just contend that there's four other guys on that line. And if you have one guy that is – I mean, he's – good enough to be on that team and one guy is not going to break the line and there's going to be other positions for Najee Harris to run in other holes for him to run out of so I mean I this guy's not even I love Kendrick Green I think he's a great pick I doubt he starts to start the season and I'm telling you I mean so if we're looking for 2021 that's why I went with a running back and I like I said this is just not one player there's five guys on that line that are taking care of business. We saw a line in 2008 that had Justin Hartwig at center and a lot of question marks. There was no pedigree on that line. It was a not a very good line, and they won the Super Bowl. They also had a rookie running back that year. He got hurt in week four, but things aren't going to fall apart with just one player. <laughs> go ahead, Dave. I, go I, ahead if you want to. Uh, no, I, I, I'm not downplaying the importance of Najee Harris to the Steelers team this year. Absolutely not. And, and we're you talking are about right. number two and number one here, people. I I mean, it's not like yes, we're talking exactly. about and eight I'm not, and one. I mean, these are splitting hairs. And and I and I think Brian's got a good point that it might not be Kendrick Green 
But what I'm saying is if it's not, I think the Steelers could really be in trouble. And you're saying it's just one spot. Go back and watch those games where J.C. Hasnauer had to start. And you mean to tell me that that one start, that one player on the line didn't make a huge difference? Jeffrey Benedict's been screaming that for forever. Just yeah. having to put Hasnauer on the field put the Steelers at a huge advantage, disadvantage. Yeah. But you didn't have games. you didn't have the runners. You, I mean, Benny Snell had a good game, but the sun shined on that dog's butt in mm-hmm. week one, really, because he's had two mm-hmm. really sterling games for this team, but he mm-hmm. wasn't able to do stuff in weeks two through five when they still had the scheme and and the run go, game going. He was not good in weeks two through five. He did, wasn't getting the carries. It was all Connor. He got all the carries. Week when one, he did, got hurt. He, when he carried the ball, he was not. He did not look good. So I mean, I get what you're saying. I just, I mean, we're we're looking at the fact that Hassenauer wasn't the reason that 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 run wasn't that running game wasn't doing well. It was a collection of five. But this is actually a different lineup. So to say that it's just one guy that's going to make the difference? No, it's not. You did not have a Najee Harris. You did not have a superstar running back. James Conner is not a superstar running back. He was a good running back. He was not a superstar. There's a difference, and there's a dynamic here. And, hey, we have people in the live chat saying they bet I'm 97% wrong. Well, go ahead. I'll take that bet. Lay it down, boys. Okay. My (laughs) only point is, yeah, you're saying Benny Snell – wasn't that great in those other ones. And yeah, his yards per per attempt were were low. But the difference was week one, 19 attempts. Week week two, three attempts. Week three, seven attempts. Week week four. There was no week four. <laughs> week five, seven attempts. Week week six, six attempts. Week seven, two attempts. Okay. Who was his right tackle in that mm-hmm. in week one? Exactly. That was my point. <laughs> That, that might make a difference too. That's that, that's that's my point. Is that is that the 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 guys blocking up front can take a can, can make an average running back better, but the guys not doing well up front can make a great running back average. Yeah, but the point you're missing though is that guy that was there week one at right tackle wasn't there weeks two through five. There was a different guy in there, and they had to make a move. There was a different guy at guard as well. I think they, you're and, proving my point. And, and they they're, off, they're, they're what's important. That so, that's what's important. Well, no, you're proving my point, Dave. Right. You're proving right. my point that you need a good runner. You're saying that one guy, BJ Finney, who might not even play, mm-hmm. if the center position is the most important of the whole thing. And it's not. One guy doesn't break the entire line. All right. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll, uh, I'll have to make sure we address that a little bit more in some future vertex. Oh, I thought would we lay oh, down? Is there when, is there a third person on the show? Oh, I've, uh, <laughs> I'll tell you what. You all tell me. Let me know when you are ready. <laughs> Come on, Jeff. Tell us. Tell, tell um. Tell us where we both stand. <laughs> oh, okay. So you want me to participate in the show now? All right, that's fine. I could have settled this on my own as the third person, which has a different pick. But no, you all know. Sound like a married couple for crying out loud. Relax, all right? Everyone relax. Here's the thing that I think a lot of you, and Dave's kind of saying that, uh, Dave's kind of saying the same thing. Brian, I kind of agree with you a little bit. Here's here's the factor. I go back to Le'Veon Bell. The line was not always perfect with Le'Veon Bell. 
Le'Veon Bell was so talented that he was able to make something out of nothing on more than one occasion. I think that Najee Harris is that kind of running back that he can make something out of nothing. Now, Dave, is it going to be perfect? Is he going to have a thousand yards? No, not if the offensive line's not really opening up holes. And we do know that his offensive line at Alabama was really good. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you can watch plays where things did break down in Alabama. The play that he hurdled a guy on the Notre Dame defensive back was a basically a busted play. He bounces it out to the outside. He hurdles over and he's off to the races for like, I don't know, 50-yard game. So I think that Najee Harris is number one for me because he can create. And that's something the Steelers did not have in James Conner. James Conner was not a creator of a running back. He needed a hole. He was a one-cut downhill runner. Vision was not his forte. That's not the same with Najee Harris. Najee Harris has great vision. He has great burst, great lateral speed. The only thing he lacks is the breakaway speed. But still, for me, I have Harris. But again, we're talking about number two and number one. Number yeah. one, number two, whatever you want. They're both really important. I mean, I don't I don't think that we need to stress that anymore. It's very, very important. All right. <clears throat> we can bring this up again for another topic another time. And we were going to talk about undrafted free agents, but we went long. We need to get through <laughs> trivia and all this other stuff. Okay? So... Let's do that first. Let's get through the trivia. Dave, you ready? Yes. All right. Here we go. So here we go. The trivia. It's I had I was looking up some stuff because of a, a discussion that I that I was having and looking at what the Steelers lost in the secondary versus what they uh, what they possibly have as a replacement. Now, because of this, I had to take James Pierre out of the equation because there just wasn't enough of a sample size for him to where it could really skew numbers. You kind of got to have a little bit of a of a sample size. But I was going through some stats that somebody else had brought up, and I was comparing three players from the Steelers secondary, and it was uh, Cam Sutton, Mike Hilton, Stephen Nelson. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a category, um, and this is based on 2020 only of who you think out of these three players had the best statistics in this category, Sutton, Hilton, or Nelson. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. So missed tackles. Who do you think was best at missed, uh, not having as many missed tackles? For so who had the player? most missed tackles? No, the least missed tackles. Okay. So the best tackler yeah, the of best, the three. The, the person who was least likely to miss tackle. Okay. I'm actually going to go with Cam Sutton. Okay, Brian. You know, my first inclination is to say Mike Hilton, but I agree with Jeff. My answer is Cam Sutton. The answer was Stephen Nelson. Oh. Now these are all according to Pro Football <clears throat> Reference. He had four missed tackles, and they take to figure out their percentage. They do missed tackles versus the number of tackles you had. He had so he had a seven point seven percent missed tackles. Sutton was next. He only had one more missed tackle than what Nelson did at five, but it ended up being fourteen point three percent because he had fewer tackles. And Mike Hilton was had eleven missed tackles last year of a seventeen point seven percent. Yes. All right. Next. Yards per completion. Who do you think had the lowest yards per completion of those three? Yards per completion. I'm going to go with Hilton. I'm going to go with Sutton. Yards per completion. The fewest was Mike Hilton with 9.2. Then it was Cameron Sutton with 11.3. And then Steven Nelson with 12.8. Okay. The next one. this, This one's tough. Who do you think had the lowest quarterback rating surrendered? I'm going to go with Sutton. 
I'm riding Sutton. He's gonna do something. Yeah. He's gonna be number one. <laughs> right? Yeah. It was the lowest was Mike Hilton at sixty point two. Ah. Second was Sutton at seventy nine point eight, and third was Nelson at ninety seven point zero. Okay, you ready? Banana every time. Yes, Sutton. he is. He's and that's the thing. It's not always been how you know. And people are like, oh, there's such a big drop off with Cam Sutton. He's right there with both of these guys. He's usually better than one, and not as good as the other in most of these categories. Okay. And how many of these categories because he didn't play as much as it impact him as well? Well, that's what I'm trying to make sure that it that it all comes okay. in, that it's right. averages and stuff like that. So, like, here's this one. How about the number of touchdowns surrendered versus the number of tar- times that player was targeted? You know, obviously, if you have twice as many targets, you should give up twice as many touchdowns. Right. But who do you think you gave up the fewest touchdowns per targets between Sutton, Hilton, and Nelson? <clears throat> I'll go with Nelson. That was my pick, Nelson. You finally went away from a bribe that you shouldn't have. It was Cam Sutton. Cam Sutton gave up one touchdown on 56 targets, where Mike Hilton gave up one touchdown on 45 targets. So Cam Sutton was actually targeted more than Mike Hilton. So that's why it was fewer touchdowns per target. Now, this is a debatable number, so much so that Steven Nelson himself debated this number with me. And I understand that this, but this was the pro football reference numbers. I'll just go back. Steven Nelson was credited with giving up seven touchdowns last year, seven touchdowns on 98 targets. So that was way down. Okay. Um, I've got two more completion percentage. Who gave up the fewest, not number of completions, but the, the, you know, completions per target who had the, the, the lowest completion percentage Sutton, Hilton or Nelson Sutton. (laughs) Let's go with Hilton. It would be Stephen Nelson at <laughs> <laughs> Then it was Cam Sutton at 60.7 and Mike Hilton at 64.4. And these were all categories that were brought up by someone else to tell me why that why um Cam Sutton is not the person to take over there. Um yet Sutton was not last in any of these uh, between these three players in any of these categories. He was not last. He was first or second. So he was better than one of those two players in all these. Now it's the last one. And I'm just doing this one for fun. PFR score, pro football reference, overall, not PFR, PFF score. I prefer everything else. PFF score. Who, who do you think had the highest PFF score between Sutton, Nelson, and Hayden? No, Hilton, not Hayden. Hilton. Why did I say Hayden? Hilton. I don't Hilton. Know. I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with Hilton just out of, just randomly. Uh, they they seem to be high on him. Okay, Brian Nelson. <laughs> it's Cam Sutton. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? When I edit this out, I'm just gonna put every time. Oh, I'm sorry. That's hilarious. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> it was. Yeah, I learned um, nothing in this game. Like I literally <laughs> learned absolutely. Nothing. There was no constant okay. theme. So no, but this is just goes to show you they all have different aspects to their game based off the 2020 numbers. Okay, so for people to like, oh, well, Cam Sutton, oh, the Steelers, that's who's going to try to have to replace two people. No, he's he was right there with them in different states. So the Steelers aren't crazy to think he can do the job. But I will tell you, Cam Sutton's. Um, PFR score was a 68.9. It had him 30th 
Um, he was they had, he was like number the number thirty cornerback. Then next was Nelson, close behind at sixty eight point one. He was the thirty sixth cornerback. Then it was actually Joe Hayden at sixty six point six. He was forty fourth. Then even at cornerback, they listed him at cornerback was Antoine Brooks Jr. at sixty four point five. And then you get to Mike Hilton at sixty three point seven, um, who was better than by far. Lustin Jane at 48.3, which was uh, the worst of all the corners. And in case you're wondering, none of them was anywhere close to, although it was an extremely small sample size, one James Pierre who had an 80.5 PFR score. So the problem with Pierre is he just doesn't, he just didn't play a lot. But when he did, man, he was doing well. So that was just to kind of show you that people that are like, oh, this guy is falling. The Steelers lost two players from their two, two starters from their secondary. They didn't lose them. They chose to move on from both of them. They could have signed Mike Hilton and they chose Cam Sutton and they chose to cut Steven Nelson as a cap casualty. So, and they didn't go out and sign anyone big name there either. So that goes to show you that they have the confidence in the other pieces that they had. And the data kind of shows why they might've had some confidence with them because it's not like there's a huge drop off. All right. I'm sorry. That was, that was, no, it's okay. That was yeah. Brian, what uh do you have trivia? I do not. Alrighty. Um okay, I will uh shoot, I want to do final thoughts. I wanted to talk about this. Did you all see Devin Bush's tweet? <laughs> Which one? Yeah. I saw several of them. The TikTok. best one was if you a grown man <laughs> yeah. and you got TikTok on your phone, stay TF. I to use your brain and know what that means from around me. And I was like, yes, I love this guy. So of course I had to quote tweet it, but he also caught the attention of some other Steelers, uh, mainly one. uh, Well, it was actually (laughs) Chase Claypool. One of the, uh, one of the TikTokers that wrote yikes. (laughs) What do you guys think about that? I love it. I love it. Hey, if Devin Bush, who's been way more vocal on social media, just about everything, is he maybe the guy that could be the next leader on the defense and on the team? He does wear 55. We know what that number does to players. He's going to be a mini peasy or something. Did you guys like the tweet? No, I loved it. You know, I thought it was Lambert-esque, even though Lambert didn't have Twitter, doesn't know what Twitter is. Twitter's something he probably uh, protects um, in the wild. You know, I mean, he... (laughs) But that's that's him. To, you know, just get this crap away from me. You know, I mean, I have no problem with him saying it. I I love it that I I thought Chay, Claypool. I loved what he did. Yikes was funny to me too. <laughs> it was playful. It was like there's not a problem. All right, there's not really a problem. He's just saying I'm not into this. He said this last year that TikTok wasn't for him, and in fact, he's not. He mentioned that he doesn't love social media. He said that last year, and. You know, I mean, this is we haven't seen much on him on social media. So I thought it was absolutely great. So uh, before Dave talks, he did send send this out. Devin Bush sent this to Chase Claypool and Juju Smith-Schuster. Don't let these people mess y'all heads up and our relationship. Not once did I mention y'all names. If y'all feeling y'all fell inside that category, then it is what it is. We the ones winning where you think the money coming from they pockets. And then all these people started chiming in too. It's really actually funny. Um, <laughs> Eric Ebron was chiming in about it. Chris Wormley says, I don't care what D Bush says. I'll be on TikTok till the U S bans it. <laughs> <laughs> so 
<laughs> Devin Bush says, stay TF from around me. And they're using a bunch of laughing, crying emojis and stuff. Yeah. So I think it's all good fun. I, I think they're just having fun with each other. That's really all they're doing. But you know what? There's some truth to this. Though. Yeah. Every joke like that, there's also a, a layer of truth to it. There's a layer of, he doesn't like this. In my opinion, you don't go on your Twitter account that has, it's verified, has I don't know how many thousands, hundreds of thousands of followers. And you don't say that unless there's something deep down inside that was like, I don't like what happened last season. He wasn't even a part of that, really. So, all right. Uh, Let's do final thoughts. I just wanted to bring that up. Brian, go ahead. Final thoughts. All right. Here's my final thought. I have, uh, I've got a role. And it's when I go to Heinz Field or if I go to another stadium. And it's simple. Anybody can come into my living room. Anybody's welcome in my living room. Just don't pee on my couch. And you've heard me say that before. All right? And so we have had, through the history of these shows, we have had great relationships with fans from other teams. Biggie Broncos, one of them. We've had some guys from the Ravens as well that have come in. But we have a particular one in the live chat that, yes, I didn't boot you once. I booted you twice. And guess what? I'm going to do it again. And it's not a coward that I do it. When you come into my living room and you pee on my couch and you distract what I'm doing, you're talking to a guy that that has adult ADHD. I don't have time to explain to you why you're screwing up my show. So I will. You can dislike my show all you want. Because guess what? I'm going to have more people back me up. <laughs> so when you come in with your who day, that's really cool. Hey, I tell you what. Do you know math? Are you good at math? I'm good at math. Six against zero is pretty damn good when it comes to Lombardi's. <laughs> Did you block him again? Oh, yeah. Wait, wait. Hold on a second. <laughs> He's back. He's back. I, I forgot to do that. Yeah, yeah. But actually, you know what? I put him in timeout. Timeout only lasts for, for a while. Five minutes, I think. Oh. Most of them don't come back, but he seems he's very – oh, there he is. Now he's blocked. He's uh, very persistent. All right, Dave, final thoughts? Yeah, I saw Devin Bush come out with another tweet um, very similar to this one. Um, and he said, if you a grown man and you at the Beehive on Friday night, <laughs> yeah, from around me. That's all That's I have to say. That's what it should say. That's exactly <laughs> what it should say. <laughs> all right, Dave, you can, uh, I'm, I'm dropping it for Dave. There you like Hey, and by the way, Brad Jewett, my boy Brad, who's in the, I'm going to put this up here. And he said, they're having fun with it. Who cares? The people that don't like it are the same people who were born in 1980 and can't recognize fun banter. Well, hold on, Brad. <laughs> they were born, and I'm talking about the other two guys in the show, well before 1980. I think. I think Brian was born in like the forties, but still <laughs> I was Get born in 80. <laughs> I was born in 83. I was born in 83. I know they're joking. Come on, Brad, give me a break. Anyways. All right. So this show is sponsored by the beehive located in Latrobe, Pennsylvania. Make sure you stop by and tell Belmont. them, that, tell them that, that you want the bad special. They'll know what it is. <laughs> All right. With that said, that's the end of this Steelers preview podcast. We are not sponsored by the Beehive. That is just a joke. Uh, we'll see you next week. Dave will not be here. He'll be on vacation. It'll be myself and Brian. Have a great Where's vacation. Throw my phone. <laughs> Damn you, Sapphire! <laughs> All right, Dave, send us out. Hey. All right. We'll see you next week. Take it easy.